This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Proverbs chapter 18, thank you for being here this morning. I realize each of you gave up something to be here this morning. That indicates to me that you came searching for something. And I pray that we all came searching for God to speak to our hearts. So many friends of mine are in this room. It's just amazing to see. Thank you for those of you who prayed, you cared, you sent cards, you sent gifts, all during this season of heart surgery, recovery, and rehab. By the way, the rehab was cardiac rehab. This morning, you'll also hear from Brother Danny Whetstone, who will be here shortly. He's preaching chapel over at uh, Great Hope this morning. And as soon as he finishes, he said, I'll be on my way. And so he'll be speaking to us. But Brother Danny and I have been friends for 35 years, and we've worked together for 27 of those 35 years. He is the reason that I am here today, because... Were it not for him, I would not have had the heart test done that I had done, which led to the fact of me having open heart surgery within days of that of the results of that test. So I am super grateful to be able to see him. We're not hardly ever in the same town. And he texted me last week. He said, John, are you going to be in Chesapeake next week? I said, yeah. And he said, well, I am too. And I said, okay. Then he said, you're at a pastor's fellowship. I'll be there. And so then when I talked to pastor, it just kind of worked out where what a blessing to be able to have him to come. Good to see my friend Greg Gray as well here. Good to see you, Greg. Glad that you're here. Thank you. Appreciate your family and your friendship as well. I could do that with every single one. Carrie's here, brought his boss with him. Where's the boss? Yeah, that's great. I asked your, um, the brother, I asked him if you worked with him or he worked with you, you know, so getting all that straight. This morning, I've been saved for 52 years. Grew up in a ministry home. Dad was a pastor. It's only about a six-month season of my father's life where he wasn't a pastor. I've learned only a couple of things in this season. And that is leaders, pastors, spiritual warriors get wounded. We don't talk about it. We hide it. We tell other people how to deal with their wounds. But we get wounded. I've also learned that hurt people hurt people. And I've also learned when we ignore our wounds, we hurt people. We hurt the cause of Christ and we open ourselves for a root of bitterness. Proverbs 18, 14 is where I'd like you to look this morning. And the strong words that are used here, Proverbs 18, 14. Some of you are still turning your pages, which makes me really nervous of the crowd I'm preaching for too. (laughs) It's in between Genesis and Revelation, just find it. Proverbs 18, 14. 
The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? Would you pray? Dear Father, this morning in these next moments, with all of my heart, I want to do my best. I want to give you the due credit and glory for this. What you've laid on my heart seems odd for the context, but I trust you. And this is your leading. I don't know who came here today with a box of wounds and a bag of hurt, but you do. I know that you divinely assigned these to come today. And so, God, I pray that you'll fill all of us with your Holy Spirit. May we be honest with you and honest with ourselves. And may we see your word as it is there. And may you teach us from it. Thank you for all of the friends I have in this room. And they're all my friends because of you. Father, I love you and I thank you for the privilege to serve. What an honor it is that you've given to let me be here this morning to speak. God, I, I do wonder if you left me alive over this past year just to be here today to preach this message. May I be mindful of why I'm here and grateful to be alive. And may I be sincere in my delivery, spirit-led in my words. Father, bless all of these churches having missions, conferences. Use them. May we be used to be able to deliver the gospel to more places. In a year of great challenges, may we see we have a year of a great God. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could draw your attention away from pandemics and masks and viruses and schedules and such, and get you to look inside of a box that you may not have intended to bring or open today, and that is the things that could actually affect your heart of how you serve others. Sometimes we take the hurts of life and we stuff them into boxes and we say, especially because our theology informs us that we believe that men are pastors. And so if I use a male reference, it's solely because of that idea. But that's not to say that women do not find wounds and hurt as well. But in our movement, especially as men, with the trend in society would tell us Suck it up and go on. You were probably mentored by a generation that would easily look at your generation and say, you're just quit being a snowflake and get busy. Ignore that. But when we take the time to realize the significance that God put this verse in Scripture, sanctioned by the Holy Spirit of God, there's a strong contrast when someone who is genuinely sick their infirmity. There is a strong desire in that person's life to say, I want to live, I want to get better, 
I want to make it. When a man's sick, his spirit carries him through that infirmity. First part of the verse. He has a will to live. I don't want to die. I want to live. But when you get to the second part of this verse, the, actually the, the, the word spirit in both places, the gender changes. And, but when a man or a woman gets a wounded spirit, and I'll put this caveat here, and in the ministry, who can bear? What happens when the, the verses that will come in a couple of chapters that will say a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. When we get wounded in life and ministry, we can hurt people. And the accusations that are often made of ministry people, church hurt me. Which really translates to the pastor hurt me. The church leader hurt me. I am not scoffing or mocking anyone's statement of being wounded. I want you to know, I believe you. If you say you got hurt in life and ministry, I will not mock you, I will not scorn you, I will simply believe you. Because your wound is real to you. And God wanted our wounds to be noted, not stuff in a box and say, I'll deal with that later. Because what happens when you stuff stuff in a box? It's going to make a mess when that thing blows open. And then if you're in ministry and you're standing in a pulpit and all of your wounds that you've borne by people in your own congregation and all of a sudden in a very carnal moment, you lash out at God's people. What have you done? Hurt people, hurt people. Perhaps your wound is recent and fresh. Perhaps your wound is old and fresh. <laughs> Perhaps your wound is familiar and fresh. Maybe you have that little spot in your heart where you take that out and you pet and you nurse that hurt and wound that you got. And the whole reason why nobody understands you is because of this wound. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit... Who can bear? Oh, the spirit? Oh, it gets wounded at home, by family members, by friends. It's on the job. It's at church. It's by teachers. It's by preachers. You get wounded by deacons. You get wounded by people in authority. You'll get wounded by careless words that are used. You'll become wounded by people who do not understand and are supposed to understand. You'll get wounded by people who hurt you because others hurt them. You'll get wounded when you dwell on who hurt you. You'll get wounded when we listen to criticisms, when our friends leave us, when church members condemn us, when people stop listening to us, when church members judge us, when church members criticize us, when church members gossip, when church members backbite, when church members blame, when we hold on to things we ought to let go of. The Spirit gets wounded when we let toxic people live rent-free in our head. The Spirit gets wounded when we choose to dwell on hurt. Spirit can be wounded when we forget God's goodness to us. Spirit can be wounded when churches cover up sin and sometimes your sin. 
The Spirit can be wounded when we have abusers who go unpunished in our churches. Satan will gladly remind you, you are worthless, unwanted, disposable. You cannot be used by anyone. You cannot be forgiven. You cannot get better. You cannot heal. Satan will gladly remind you that you'll never be strong enough, that you'll never be good enough, and that you are not enough. You say, well, this message isn't for me. You've been alive. You've been hurt. You've been alive. You've been wounded. Say, Brother O'Malley, no, no, no. See, we're leaders here. We don't talk about this. And then you model what for your kids? And you model what to your church members? So, well, if I put my shield down and I take the armor off of my heart and the way I go into self-protection mode when mean people speak to me, what are you doing? You're merely modeling to them what's wrong. It is okay for us to say, that hurt. It is okay for us to seek reconciliation when we've hurt someone. Say, well, I'll apologize if you felt like I did wrong. No, they felt like you did wrong. Just apologize. Well, I, got, I can't do that. I'm the pastor. I, I can't show weakness. I hope we got done with that a generation or two ago. If you still cling to that, you're wrong. Satan will gladly tell you that God failed you and God cannot forgive you and will not forgive you. Satan will gladly tell you that you cannot be believed. Satan will gladly tell you you're too far gone and you cannot do it. Satan reminds you that you are not now, nor have you ever been, nor will you ever be worthy. Satan will remind you, especially if you come from an abused background, Satan will gladly remind you that your abuser is loved by everyone and hated by you. Satan will tell you you must be wrong. He'll tell you your past is broken, your present is broken, and your future is broken. Satan will tell you stop trying, you're going to get hurt again. Our wounds shape us. We learn from them, hopefully. Or we just stop life and we stay there. And then we just are act and we pastor and we lead in an unhealthy emotional state. So I didn't come here for pop psychology. Oh, you're not getting it. Because we're fixing to head to the word of God again to show you another truth. When I see this passage of scripture and I look at our churches today, I look at society today, my ministry is, involves being in a lot of churches around the country. So I get snapshots. Snapshots of leaders who sit on the platform and those who serve in classrooms. And I see the un emotionally unhealthy state of many in our pulpits. And many are justified when they leave our churches to say, that place is a train wreck. And just because you need a salary, you stay. And the truth is, is that when spirits become wounded, who can really make it? We have to deal with the wounded spirit. 
We have to deal with it. If we do not, we're wrong. Which brings me to the thought in Jeremiah chapter 8 to which I'd like you to go. Because if there's a principle, it's in Proverbs. And if there's a practical of the same principle, it's in Jeremiah 8. But if your soul has been wounded and your spirit is heavy and hurting, know this, there is no wound God cannot feel. There is no wound He cannot understand. And if you're saying, well, those are double negatives. Well, you can fix it in your mind, but I'm using the double negative for an effect. And some of you are saying, what's a double negative? (laughs) I have no teenagers here, so I have to work on you. There is no wound God cannot heal. There is no place I can go where he cannot reach me. There is no person who can harm me from which he cannot heal me. And there is no past failure I have from which he cannot redeem me. Sometimes the wounds go so so deep in life, you don't even have words to use them. You just hurt. And the pain of life affects you. And you just wonder, how in the world can I even explain this? And sometimes, as men, we will bear that hurt and say, if I I talk about this to anyone, they're going to see me as weak. What if people just saw you like God sees you? And stop letting the fear of man become a snare in your life. But rather to say, I take my hurts to Him. And if I get emotionally unhealthy, I resolve that with the Spirit of God who lives inside of me. And it is okay if pastors get counseling. Oh, that didn't go well. It was just me and Brother Chuck at that one. I don't need help. I'm the pastor. You're a sheep. God's your shepherd. Get some help. I can't admit that. Can or won't. I groan when I hear people complain from our Gen X, Millennial, Gen Z generations, those three. I groan when I hear a pastor hurt me. Why? It was preventable. We're not perfect. We're just sinners saved by grace. And if you're stuck on your own personality and you're stuck in your own place of saying, well, hey, I'm the pastor, I can't do... You can. Christ wants to hear. There are good men who are quite qualified to listen and walk you through a difficult season. Say, well, uh, that's not me. I, I don't get depressed. You just don't talk about it. There's help in the Word of God. That's where Jeremiah is, chapter 8. Hopefully you found it by now. If you haven't, just just fake it, really, at this point. I just saw Mark Taylor came in. It's good to have you come to church. (laughs) I barely recognize you back there. 
I need you here. There, he's a special kind of special. That's all I can say. <laughs> Jeremiah 8. Here is the, exemplary, um, the example of what we learned in the principle in Proverbs. When, uh, verse 18. When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me. Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past. Summer is ended. And we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, am I hurt? I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? I think when I look at this passage of Scripture, four clear things come to mind. This is how I can have a five-minute sermon and a 25-minute introduction. So this is how it goes. Very simple points. They all start with the phrase, there is. I don't, I don't think they're alliterated, but someone will fix it and hand it to me later, I'm sure. Number one, there is a wound. You see, you have to start with the acknowledgement that hurts happen. And when hurts happen, you have to understand, Hebrews 4, chapter 15, makes it abundantly clear, our high priest understands our feelings. Your wounds are felt by God. Jesus wept with his friends over the grave of Lazarus. He, he is the God of all comfort, Paul said. In all of our affliction, he is the God of all comfort. Christ Isaiah said several centuries before Christ's arrival under inspiration of the Holy Spirit said he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet we box up our grief and our sorrows and we just stuff them away and we realize there is a God who sees our wounds. There is a God who feels our wounds. The Bible tells us the significance of tears to God. There are times, and perhaps you're of this manner, where you would just go to another room, close the door, and you would just cry, and you would just wail before God, and think no one would understand. I'll assure you, tears are so important to God. The psalmist said, he records them. He stores them. Do you remember? Well, some of you are not... All of us are not old enough to remember. But perhaps in study, you remember from the Egyptian uh, and Middle Eastern funerals where they would take a bottle and go around at the graveside of the mourners and put the tears of the mourners into a bottle and store them. God, the psalmist said, they're stored in a bottle. They're recorded in a book. He said, well, that's just the psalmist. He was being melodramatic. It's probably metaphorical. It's not literal. It's, tears are so important to God. 
First of all, He gave us tears. Number two, there is coming a day. Revelation chapter 21 will say, there is coming a day where He will wipe all tears from our eyes. This is our God who cares about our tears. He sees our tears. He stores our tears. He records our tears. He feels our wounds. He bears our sorrows. He is a God who is deeply attuned to our emotional state. Hagar knew that her grief was known and borne by God. Job knew and said, though he slay me, I'll trust him. Isaiah knew that God would carry our griefs and bear our sorrows. What wounds the spirit? I don't have time for that, but a quick list. Emotional difficulty, prolonged affliction, guilty conscience, Satan's fiery darts, spiritual desertion. Those will cause wounds. Jeremiah asks, 21 gives me the indication there is a wound. He said, I see the hurt of the daughter of my people, I'm hurt. He said, I'm black, I'm astonishment taking hold on me. And so the next question, the first question he presents is, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? So number one, there is a wound. Number two, there is a medicine. What is our medicine when the emotional crises hit in our life? Well, he was making a reference to the area of Gilead, uh, a small area there in the Transjordan people, that would be Manasseh, would make up that area of the tribes of Judah. And they, would, they had these trees which would grow there. And those trees produced a sap. And they could take an axe and puncture that tree. And from that sap, draw an ointment out. And that ointment would be used by doctors. There were doctors that were gathered in that hillside community. And there were medicines that they would develop and apply to those wounds that would take place in their life. And the only way to get the sap out of that, to get the wound healed, was to strike the tree and get something out of that tree. Could I tell you today... Not only is there a wound, but number two, there's a medicine. When you consider the sin-sick soul, as the songwriter worded that song, there's a bomb in Gilead, the sin-sick soul. When you consider that, when Christ hung on the cross and died for our sin, His side was pierced, His hands were pierced. What happened? They got the sap out for us then that the sin sick soul finds the balm of Gilead to be healing enough restorative enough for the mankind to have redemption this is who we are and we serve a God who not only says I see your wound there's a wound but secondly there's a medicine oh is it possible that we as leaders get so busy leading people to Gilead that we don't stay long enough ourselves in Gilead to get the healing that we need? 
Is it possible that we think we have the answers for everybody else, but not for ourselves? Wounds happen, and when they happen, what are we supposed to do? Understand, when you think no one understands, God does. He sees those wounds. He feels those wounds. And He's given us some medicine. You say, but you don't know how deep this wound goes. This goes all the way back to childhood. This goes all the way back to early years in the ministry. I tell you today, there is a medicine from our God which will heal these wounds in our lives. Number three, because you're not listening fast enough, i got to keep moving. Maybe one more thing about wounds. That there is a medicine. Please understand. This is our bomb in Gilead. You say, well, it's just ink on paper, bound by leather. No. Have you ever been so lonely? And you open up the book of Psalms. And all of a sudden, it's like the words become an ointment to the wound. I can remember in the early days of my cardiac recovery, I would hurt so bad at night, I'd long for day. I'd hurt all day long and long for night, and neither produced sleep. And all I could get out of what was stored in my heart was, it hath been good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. This, this word of God is our medicine. Amen. Number three, there is a physician. Is there no bomb in Gilead? First rhetorical question. Is there no physician there? Well, I'm going to tell you, there is a wound. There is a medicine and there is a physician. And who is our physician? Well, when fear grips me, he alone can treat me. When loneliness comes, he alone can assist me. When, when difficulties come and depression arrives, he alone walks with me. When oppression comes, he alone protects me. When my mind is not at peace, he alone speaks peace to me. When my suffering is more than I can bear, he gives me a way of escape. When my way is unclear... He leads me to the rock that is higher than I. When I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go and I don't know how I'm going to make it, He alone does. There is a physician. You are not without hope. You are not without help. You are not without God. He alone can sustain us. When I face trials, He is there to treat me. When I face trauma, He is there to treat me. When I face addictions, He is there to treat me. When I face battles and become wounded, He is there to treat me. Leader. Church member. The fourth thing you got to know is not only is there a wound, there's a medicine, there's a physician, and He says, why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Well, that means there's a decision. The prophet asks, why, why are you not seeking a remedy? Why are you not seeking a refuge? Why are you not resorting to Gilead? Why aren't you taking the treatment? Don't ignore the help. 
for your trouble. Don't ignore the help for your trauma. Don't take all of your feelings and stuff them in a box and say, I'll deal with that later. There is a wound. There is a medicine. There is a God. And you have a decision to make. What are you going to do? You say, well, I can't dump out my feelings. Why not? People might think, God already sees your basket case. You got more hang-ups than a clothes closet. So why not talk to him? When the sinner comes to Gilead, they find healing. When the battered wife comes to Gilead, she finds healing. When the abused child comes to Gilead, they find healing. When the lonely come to Gilead, they find healing. When the discouraged come to Gilead, they find healing. When the forsaken come to Gilead, they find healing. Don't point others to Gilead and not get help yourself. Dear Father, thank you for this time in your word. Please use Brother Danny today to speak to hearts. God, I don't know what box you opened up in someone's heart tonight, today. I, I, I know this was not the kind of message perhaps these folks came to hear. But I know this is where you put me. So God, for, for this room full of perhaps wounded people, may we remember you see our wounds and believe us. You've given us a medicine. You've given us a physician. And you've given us a decision to make. For the sad and the broken and the lonely and afraid, May we run to Gilead today. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 757- 488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.